Hello and welcome to Falterigo episode uh, 40-something, 41. Let's go with that. Um, it's been a while um, and lots of awful things have happened. <laughs> um, lots of awful things. Um, and I just wanted to reflect on a couple of them, I suppose. The, um, the, the, the referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament... Um, I don't really know how, what I can say that's of use. Uh, and obviously I'd like to say something that is of use. I don't just want to say stuff that's pointless. Um, but I, I took a, I've been sort of, uh, I mean, that's partly why I haven't released, I don't think I've released this podcast on time. because I, I was sort of rushing to say something. And as you will, you know, you will know from previous episodes of this that I'm, I'm very against um, saying something for the sake of saying something on time. I'd rather say it late and um, be slightly uh, better formed. Um, and I just, I've, to be honest, if I'm completely frank, I've sort of recorded the start of this about <laughs> 10 times and I just keep stopping and go, I shouldn't talk about it. Um, and then through that, trying to find, well, what aspect of it can I talk about? Because um, obviously it's it's difficult for me or, well, it's probably impossible for me to, Sort of articulate the um, or comment on the, the the process or metabolize or begin to gain a grasp of the the sense of um, pain that one would experience um, if one's identity were suddenly kind of or seemingly rejected. Um, I can't fathom that. Um, I can't fathom that in in the face of a perfectly lovely. Uh, time throughout the passage of history that on top of everything that's happened in the past um just feels like rubbing the entire rubbing all the salts in all the wounds it's just it's just i so i can't i can't really talk to that um I, there's no way for me to gr- grasp what that must feel like uh, i can empathize but i just i don't obviously i will never experience Something like that. The the only facet of the whole thing that I suppose I can comment on, or that might be useful for me to comment on, is is just to step back, um, and comment on the trend that seems to be emerging of campaigns like this seeming to be won by the conservative side. Or right wing, or I mean, I mean, I don't even know. There's lots of people, and this is, I mean, this is okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, this is already part of the problem: is labelling everyone who voted no, or voted for Trump, or voted Brexit as belonging to the same group, whether you I group them on political lines or some pejorative. Um, if you vote for Trump, you're a knuckle dragging sort of racist. Um, which I'm sure many of them, many Trump voters were, um, but it's but the 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 uh, need to simplify by labelling an entire group of people is part of the bigger problem. Which I wanted to talk about is yeah, just this trend of, I guess that we we just seem to keep losing. By we, I mean uh, some sort of left wing person. <laughs> I don't even again even our side. I don't even know how to uh, identify that and label it 
because there's sort of different offshoots and sort of sub-cultures of left. So I don't even know if it's apt to use the word left to describe them all. It's all very confusing. But there's something in how the campaigns are run. Um, and this is only what I observe, and I appreciate what I observe is only what the algorithm deigns to show me. So obviously this isn't meant to be indicative of the entire campaign. It's only the thin slice of it that I experienced. But there's just something that... I just, I just wonder if at what point do we need, as painful as it may be, to start campaigning in a manner that's designed with the aspiration of reaching the people we need to persuade to change their minds. Because there seems to be a, I, I, and I don't know what it is, I don't know what the um, psychological principle or political principle or some such behind it is, but it seems that there's a sort of a, a uh, a drift towards the uh, easier path, which is campaigning in a manner that seems designed to appeal to people who already agree with the position you are arguing for. So with Brexit, there was there was nothing really there to entice, as far as I could see. I mean, the, the the Leave campaign to me was had an easier job because it's it was very easy to sell. Well, you know what this is like. Well, imagine if it was different. You know, if you're unhappy with now, then let's change it. Um, change will always always seem more appealing in the face of an unappealing present uh, and an unappealing status quo. Let's keep things the way they are. Um, but that, I mean, that was a fault of the Remain campaigns. They didn't really sell what if you're aware of what your moves your opponent is making make counter moves don't sort of ignore and go well that's what they're saying but we'll just kick on with our campaign if they're if if psychologically if you understand that change will seem more appealing to people when they're unhappy with the way things are um you've got to you've got to counter that somehow why that change could be bad or i don't know but reach those people Instead, um, maybe not the campaign itself, but us online, and this is another point, uh, I guess, is how we fail to be ambassadors for our own side. Us going online and saying, oh, the, you know, if, you, if you're voting to leave, then you're a piece of shit racist or you're a dumb fucking blah. And, you know, I knew leave voters. I'm related to some, and they're the fucking nicest. Some of them extremely broad-minded, traveled the world. Not a racist bone in their body, and it's it. There's an, there's reasons that you're not bothering to find out why they're voting that way. And again, maybe this isn't a fault of the campaigners. It's more of a fault of us as ambassadors for the campaigners. You're not you're not winning anyone over by calling them pieces of shit, and they're who you have to win over. Because if you've run the numbers, you'll know it's like 50-50. Well, if it's 50-50, you've got to persuade at least 1% of people who don't already who don't agree with you. So you can't run a campaign on the basis of everyone agrees with me. Um, because that means you're just gonna win the 50% you already have. Um it was the same with Trump. 
the you know for Hillary Clinton to come out and say you know Trump's voters are a bunch of what is it basket of deplorables? I said, well, yeah, but you need them to vote for you. Have you run the numbers? Just assume you need some of them to vote for you, and if even, even if you hate their guts, presume that you're gonna have you can't they you need their votes. Never presume you don't need someone's vote or you don't need to persuade someone to vote for you. But again, it was just that for some reason, same with Brexit, Trump seemed to run a campaign that was just, I don't know, was it, did you tell me, was it digitally savvy? There was a nefarious digital savviness to what he pulled off. That the left or whatever you want to call them, not that, Democrats necessarily are the left. Don't know how it's left-wing to drone strike innocent people. That's not very left-wing. So again, I use these labels uh, more, uh, uh, what's the word? Fuck, instrumentally, because it's useful for the sake of progressing the conversation, but I I don't purport to (laughs) believe those words actually uh, fully represent uh, what they usually mean. Uh, So no, not that the Democrats are the left. Um, but I just have to say that for the sake of moving this podcast along. Um, but there's just something about that side that just didn't do it very well. And again, Trump, you know, Trump was like, I'm going to build a wall, jobs, this, that. It seemed quite outcome-oriented, Sort of similar to Brexit, I suppose. Things will be better. This is shit. If we do this, you know, more money for the NHS, 125 million pounds or whatever was written on the side of that bus, <laughs> that famous double-decker bus now. Infamous, I should say. Um, concrete outcomes. The the Democrats are like stronger together, you know, and Hillary, when they go low, we go high. It's also sort of like quite sentimental, like voting for us is a moral choice. And it's like, yeah, but you're appealing to people who've had eight years of Obama and might be thinking of switching. They might be tired, similar to Brexit. There might be a sort of democratic fatigue, Democrat fatigue. And it might not take very much from someone on the other side. Well, look, they've had the country for eight years. Try something different. Look at me. I'm a madman. I say whatever the fuck I want. So, hey, it's pretty interesting. Maybe he'll make things better. We'll take the high road and you take... It's like that's... What is that? That's a, that's a slogan. That's a feeling. That's a sentiment. You know? It's interesting. I, I always used to think that the left was the science, facty, logic side. And the right sort of, and again, these are, these are massive generalizations, so do forgive me. But the right to me, this is how I felt anyway, were more the side of sentiment and f- f- sort of feeling. So the left will be like, well, look, here's the gender pay gap. Look, here's the rich-poor divide. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Look, here's the percentage of women getting paid less. Here's climate change. Here's temperatures and stats and, you know, 97% scientists, you know, just kind of like facty stuff. And the right were more like, oh, the immigrants, ah," you know, sort of, if they come, they'll take our jobs, you know, sort of like, be scared of things. Be scared of things to do the exact opposite of how the Brexit campaign worked. To be scared of things for the sake of keeping things the same, status quo, 
let's not change this, let's not change that. Gay marriage, no, keep things as they are, which is, you know, hence conservative, you know, to conserve, keep things the way, let's not just go fucking mad and such switching shit up all over the place. Um, And so to me, the right came across as, not that I'm saying they are, but they just came across as like the sentimental argument. If we do this, who knows what's going to happen? Ah. And recently, it seems like there's been a tactic shift or something. Again, this is all just me sort of musing into a microphone, and I'm very happy to be wrong about this. Uh, I'm just hoping my observations might be of some use to someone. Um, but to me, it seems there's been a shift in the left and now the feelings side. And like, well, you can't say that. It hurts. And... Um, higher we're stronger together come on one let's all hug each other and trump's like wall jobs military gonna pull out of nato or pull out of the un it's gonna not we're gonna stop giving money to the un like sort of concrete sort of solid number-based sort of things that you can sink your teeth into and so and uh, so that's what his campaign is doing. And then again, us on our side, again, not that I should lump everyone together, but again, it's just useful uh, for the sake of this, argue, for argument's sake. This is all just for argument's sake. Us on our side, forget whatever Hillary Clinton's doing, forget what the Remain campaign's doing. Us as ambassadors for our side are definitely not winning any friends. Going online, if you vote Trump, you're a, you know, again, you're a fucking stupid. What's your IQ? Read a book, all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I know people who are, <laughs> I've said this before, like pioneering surgeons, you know, people with IQs, have their I, they've had their IQ measured and it's off the charts, who I talk to them and they can make me think that Trump was a good idea. Like they're smart people who read the newspaper, several newspapers every day, and they think Trump's a good idea. So you can't just go, they're all stupid. You just, you're actually, the problem is you're not curious enough to know who it is that is voting for him and why they vote for him. There's just a laziness, a kind of lack of curiosity around like, well, let's figure out what makes these people tick. I mean, yeah, it's one of, you know, I'm. you'll know this if you've listened to previous episodes, episodes of this. I've started a degree in psychology, um, 98% because I, I want to help people and I want to improve people's lives and I want to leave the world um, in a better state than I've found it. Um, and I like to think I'm a nice person and I want to decrease the amount of suffering in the world. 2% is I like to figure out, I'm curious, I'm a curious person. I like to figure out what makes people tick. Um, and so there just seems like a lack of curiosity from the remain campaign like why are people voting brexit should we incorporate that into our thinking no let's just label them let's call them fuckwits and hope that's somehow convincing <laughs> yeah i wasn't going to vote for you but now you've called me a deplorable uh i can't wait to get you in i wasn't gonna <laughs> please vote for me <laughs> you're a piece of shit now have you thought about <laughs> I know I just called you a piece of shit. Have you thought about switching sides to someone who has called you a piece of shit? Um, 
there's just a lack of curiosity. Why are people? And then, of course, you get into the thing of like, well, we don't need to understand them because they're racists. Or, oh, yeah, they're. And then people will use the double meaning of understanding as in to understand academically versus to show someone understanding, which is like to sympathize. You know, oh, yeah, well, do you know who really needs our understanding? It's the people that. You know, it's, it's the rate, it's the minorities that Trump is hurting with his bad language. No, no, I don't mean understand like that. To understand cancer doesn't mean to give it a cuddle. It means to academically figure it out so you can squash it, right? So stop doing that tricky. Oh, oh yeah, the people who really need our understanding is Trump voters, not the, you know, yeah, it's like, no, stop doing that. Just stop trying to score cheap digital brownie points. But we've there's just been that trend. And again, we had COVID as well. And, and there wasn't so much a campaign run on that, but obviously there was a public debate. And again, I feel like we were just, again, not great ambassadors and we just weren't curious. And, um, you know, there are people who are, and again, intelligent people who are vaccine hesitant. I'm not. I was vaccine. I've got them all. Um, I, I, I'm a pincushion me, but um, so I'm all for it. But I, you know, I, I wouldn't to label again. It's this thing of labeling an entire like swaths of the population of just like you fucking dumbass knuckle dragon. You know, anybody who's like, look. I just, it seems a bit quick to me that the virus came out and now you've got a vaccine in like a, in nine months or something. And we're just going to like mandatorily, can you please make it voluntary? Anything like just, I, I can sympathize with people who find a mandatory vaccine that's only been in development for not long. I mean, there are computer games that are in development for like a decade and they're released and they go, fuck, it's got bugs. When you walk into a wall, you glitch and now your foot's stuck in the pavement. You know, it's like, fuck, why didn't we spot that? Like, you know, this was not like months or a year or however long it took. It wasn't, it, I can sympathize with people who think it, what, it wasn't long enough. And they're pro, a lot of them are pro-science people. It's like, yeah, I've got the vaccine for this. I've got kids, they're vaccinated. Just this and the speed and the, it's the fact that it's mandatory. So I can sympathize with that, but we just labeled those people a lot of anti-vaxxers stupid you know oh if bubonic plague were around now you'd be probably like rubbing rats on people it's just again this rush to not understand and not ext not extend an olive branch and just to push them further away which obviously the further away someone is the harder it is to bring them <laughs> close to you you know um, so we had COVID and then we've just had the, the referendum. And all I can say is, again, this is just the slice of the campaign that I came across. So this isn't a reflection on, you know, the whole campaign and everyone who worked on it. But there was just a lot of instances online where, again, people just... Um, well, okay, let's let me backtrack a bit. I can see how the no campaign could have hoodwinked people 
into thinking it was a reasonable and not hateful position. I can see if you if you're someone who clicks the wrong, well, you know, the right, depending on how you look at it. If you clicked the wrong links enough times and you've amassed a collective around you who think the same way, like, and if you're just, you know, that way, it's just a few, you know, there but for the grace of a few clicks go I, I can see how it worked. I can see how the no campaign worked. I don't think it, it didn't persuade me. Obviously I voted yes. I hope that's should be pretty obvious really. Um, but I can, I, I can see how it's persuasive because again, it seemed to come from a place of, um, uh, performative intelligence or some sort of, uh, synthetic, um, what's the word skepticism feigned. It felt like to me, but I can see how it would come across as genuine. I mean, it's, it's almost, I was trying to think of a word for it. It was almost like to be persuaded by it, you have to be dumb, intelligent. And by that, I mean, you're intelligent enough for a smart argument to work on you, but you don't then go the extra step to investigate whether that argument is being made in good faith or to critically think your way through the argument to make sure that the fact you've been persuaded is not uh, a, a byproduct of trickery or some such. By that, I mean, I, I think what the no campaign did successfully to my dismay is what the public were being asked to vote on was simple and straightforward when you break it down the problem with something that's simple um, and straightforward is that the more simple something is the less information there is about it um, by its definition, because the you know if it takes more and more and more information to explain something, by definition that thing is now complex. So the voice to me was a fairly straightforward proposition. I can grasp, you know, there would be a body of First Nations people who are allowed to go, hey, government, um, do you mind this? Do you mind? Can we raise this issue if you've? This policy you're thinking, by the way, it might affect us, so we would recommend these changes. And then the government is free to either, you know, reject that or incorporate it. It's non-binding. You know, it has, it has no power. It was the most di dipping your toe in reconciliation in the pond of reconciliation, the shallowest end. Dipping your toe in the shallowest end. The, the problem with that is it is simple, right? Like if I if I say what is an apple as well it's the green thing over there you can you know it's one it's a few words right but it's it's very easy for the no campaign or conservatives or the right whoever to twist that to be like well they're not telling us much are they there's not enough information here what are we being asked to vote on um you they took the straightforwardness of what was being proposed and uh, very cunningly twisted that into, well, there's a, there's a lack of information. We don't know what we're being asked to vote on. They haven't told us enough. And 
This is what I'm talking about with dumb intelligence. If you're told that, I mean, it depends what side of politics you're on as well. If if you're <laughs> if you're keen for this to work, you look at that and go, well, that's enough for me. I know what that is. If you're sort of dumb intelligent, you it, it's, that's quite a rational argument that, well, there's not enough information here. If you can be persuaded that there isn't something's being held from you or that's not being well thought through, they haven't really designed this very well, is it? It's, part, it's not even finished. There's no information here. You get a, you get the completely the opposite effect of thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't enough, and I can't, I don't want to vote for this because, you know, again, big words. They're changing the constitution, but we don't even know how are they going to change it. What's a body? What what even is a voice? No, you haven't even defined what a voice is. Where do they sit? Is it in Parliament? Is it a building in Canberra? Like, is it all? You know. But you can start right as soon as you start asking these questions to the dumb, intelligent person, you start getting fearful and concerned that something's being pulled over your eyes or something. But you can do that with anything, you know. If I say, Would you like an apple? That's <laughs> a fairly straightforward question. If somebody slides in next to you, you know, slides in next to you and goes, He's asking if he wants an apple. He hasn't said how big it is, how small, what color is it? Where did it grow? Did it grow next to a nuclear power plant? Who knows? It could be a toxic apple. Why isn't he, Why hasn't he told you which country the apple came from? He hasn't even told you whether it's been grown by child slaves. Look at all the things he's not telling. He's like, oh my gosh, suddenly, suddenly saying yes to having an apple has become a rather, a rather complicated uh, thing I have to think through. I'm not sure if I want the apple anymore. Well, if you're not sure, it's probably safer to say no. It's like you can take anything simple and twist it to be a lack of information. But it actually isn't a lack of information. It just is that it is simple. Um, so the no campaign, again, this is what I'm talking about. Again, this sort of shift, I think, and I, 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 I'm very, not, I'm not concerned, but I'm a, sort of pretty sure I'm wrong here but it's just a feeling i feel this is what i'm talking about when i'm saying it feels like the left have slowly moved towards the more kind of sentiment side and the right has weirdly gone quite persuasive and logical what do we would they don't know look this is the constitution this is the legal thing it's all getting into like the nitty-gritty and the which is again is persuasive but then the left or the yes campaign, because uh, I'm sure there are a lot of conservatives who voted yes. I don't want to say it's the left, but again, usefully, it's handy just to say the one term. Um, it felt like it was more like this is our chance to make up for past wrongdoings. And again, I'm, I, I would hate for people to think this is my summation of the whole campaign. I'm just saying it's like this is a lot of the sort of Instagram infographic things that people were sharing. You know, it's the longest living culture on earth. Like all these things that are true. And I suppose, you know, and, and again, it's persuasive to the, to the people it's going to persuade. But it's, again, it's this thing I'm slightly concerned about of devising campaigns with a pre-existing audience in mind. 
And the people who are going to be persuaded by those infographics were going to vote yes before they even saw the infographic. They're already there. And so that's not, it's not going to persuade the no voter on the fence who's being bombarded with, but what does it mean? It's going to change the constitution. It's a very fabric of our country, legal, parliament, Canberra. What does it mean? Who are they? What even is a voice? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yes, but it's the longest, you know, standing culture on earth. And, you know, think of all the awful things we've done. And it's time to, we, oh, this is our first step to make amends. It's like, well, if I'm a heartless rationalist conservative, I'm like, yeah, it is a chance to make amends. But if I'm going to make it, I want to, I don't want to make a boo-boo. I'm, I don't want to fuck it up. What's this? I don't even know what you'll be asked to vote for. Where's the information? Ah! Which, I, again, actually, I mean, I say the right is the side of, has weirdly become the kind of facty, not not actual facts, but sort of apparent facts. But, I mean, there is a sentimentality to that as well. Like, we don't even know what's going to happen. Ah! So it's still plain to fear. But it's just a sort of a, sort of rationally executed, um, I say rational again, to dumb, intelligent people, it will appear persuasive, but it's, it's, it's a sort of a, a, yeah, fear expressed through apparent logic. Um, and so again, it's just this thing of like, yeah, I, 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 it felt like what was being presented by the yes campaign or maybe not the yes campaign, but us as its ambassadors. Again, we're not, it doesn't feel like we're winning any friends or representing our side very well. Feels like we're chatting to each other. Like you're putting up your Instagram square thing to make me feel better that I'm already going to vote. Yes. And I'm going to, I do the same thing. And this, it's not like if you think it's going to be a, if you, if you fear, unless you've got polling showing 100% of the country behind this, so don't even bother, just put it out tomorrow, everyone's going to vote yes. Unless you're extremely confident that you're massively going to win, I, th- I think as per all these three examples, we, have, we need to campaign as if we have to win like half of the other side over, so a quarter in total. You know, we've already got, imagine we've already got 50% going to vote yes. Um, just aim to win over 15 to 25% of the other 50. Because it seems like you need them. So this sort of intro, introverted, this sort of campaigning to each other on our side, like nothing I saw felt particularly designed to persuade someone who is succumbing to the uh, mis- many information and misinformation presented by the No campaign. In fact, the No campaign didn't even really need to present any misinformation, though they did massively. Um, they just need to ask questions and that's enough because the Constitution in some people said is quite a big thing. Um, so... Or, or, or irregardless of the, what you think of, of the constitution, just all those questions. No detail here. What, is, what even is this? I mean, and this is the problem as well with like that attitude that came out of like, just Google it. If you don't know, just Google it. It's like, <sighs> yeah, but the problem is a lot of these no voters are Googling it. 
and what they're finding is isn't enough for them or at least having had the seeds of doubt planted in their mind that what's being presented isn't enough when they do find it by googling it they're already primed to believe it's not enough so there's no point to say just google it you know that's not i mean and all again it comes back to this thing of like what how do, what do you think the no voter feels how we see them when it's like just google it it's like yeah but what's so you're saying i can't use the internet you're saying i'm stupid you're saying i haven't thought about this but this is sort of dumb intelligence at play. They have thought about it a lot, but they've just been trained to think about it in the wrong wrong way. Um, they've been trained to mistake simplicity for duplicity and a kind of tr trickery, uh, withholding of information or keeping of secrets, you know. Um but, I mean, it's very easy to play that psychological trick, isn't it? What did um, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, I saw a friend. Anything else? No. Oh, weirdly reticent to tell me anything else. No, I really didn't do anything else. <laughs> okay. No, no, don't tell me. It's fine. Hide it all you want. I'm not hiding anything. Oh, getting defensive, are we? You know, it's just, it's very easy to fuck with apparent simplicity uh, and, and portray it as... Um, deceptiveness but this is the thing that we the the just google it response works if you're imagining that the person you're criticizing is like you who hasn't yet googled it another left-wing person who is yet to google what the voice is they google it go oh it's actually really straightforward of course i'm going to vote yes that's, you're imagining the no voters are you. <laughs> you're imagining they're you from a few weeks ago who just happen to not have clicked the things they need to yet. You're imagining they, they have your beliefs and your mindset and your general moral affinity for progress and they're just unlucky or unfortunate enough to have not yet Googled what the what the voice actually means. They're not, that's not who these people are. So there's a weird kind of projection. And, and I hate to say it, again, this isn't the campaign, but us on Instagram and stuff, there's a kind of smugness to it. Like, well, I, I Googled this and I'm convinced. I know what it is. I, I, I'm of a certain disposition that, I, you know, that information appeals to me. Just Google it. If you Google it, you'll be persuaded too. They, they won't be. That's extremely presumptuous. And again, you're talking to people who the no campaign is already fiddling with their brains. So, so when they do Google it and find it and there's like four lines or a, a simple website with nice, clear infographics. But it is, it, and again, to me, the website that you find when you do Google it is persuasive and its simplicity is appealing to me because it gets the information across quickly. I can easily imagine someone else finding that and going, yeah, but this, this is just one page with a couple of links. Like this is, they're changing the constitution. If they've already had the no puppeteers fiddling with their brains, you know. Um, so I can, 
I can, it just felt like we were talking to ourselves as if we had what, an assumed majority or something. And let's just, didn't feel like, there wasn't a sense that we had to win anyone over. And unfortunately the political campaigns, they are, it's a numbers game. I, I feel like after Brexit and Trump, we're not learning um, some of the the good version of the dirty tricks that's being played very well by um, these these campaigns on the uh, the right. The Leave campaign was more persuasive and noisy. Trump was more persuasive and noisy. Hillary Clinton was kind of sentimental and not vague. And it's like, let's just be nice. It's just like, it's not, he's going to build a wall apparently because total bullshit. And again, it's that dumb intelligent thing of like some of the stuff he was saying was quite appealing. And he could say, well, yes, if he does build a wall and there are fewer immigrants, the probably economy, you know, there's a sort of, you can easily fall down the rabbit hole of why that's persuasive. But then the, the dumb part of the dumb intelligent is like, yeah, but he's lying. <laughs> why don't you question, don't, why don't you push through the surface, the facade of what he's presenting to see that it's a, it's not a building, it's a flat bit of cardboard, you know. And again with, and then, and then recently just the sort of, just Google it, you know, it's like, well, who are you talking to? Who are you trying to persuade? And then, uh, you know, and as satirists as well, there was some, there was, I, I found a, um, lots of people on Twitter just, Again, doing fucking jokes, and it's like, ironically, ironically for the vo uh, for a, a referendum on listening to indigenous people more, we sure love to fucking clog up Twitter with our little jokes, don't we? Lots of white people just filling up the internet, trying to feel good about themselves. And there was a tweet there from. One of the architects of the, the Uluru statement from the heart. Oh, it's gone down my timeline. Whoops. Oh, it's vanished down the timeline because the, the Twitter is just full of savvy white people tweeting their... If you don't, if you've only known over the... Blah, 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 like, you're not helping. You're, you're only tweeting to people, as the satirist Tom Lehrer would say, you're tweeting to the, the already... You are titillating the already converted... Right. And you probably know that. I don't think you're tweeting. I mean, this is the other thing. This is, I mean, it comes back to the sort of the heart of this podcast is there's just such a lack of any ability to empathize with the, I mean, there's the Buddhist principle of, um, interdependence right nothing nothing is everything inter is everything is caused by everything else nothing exists in isolation and so you can't look at a person and their ideas and see those ideas as just like having popped into existence apropos of nothing they're a result of their upbringing and education and the links they've clicked and the friends they have and 
something that happened to them when they were 17 and a movie they watched when they were 22. Like they're just, everyone is in an amalgam of all the causes and influences that have shaped their existence. So it's just, when you're tweeting at them as if they're scum, you're really just tweeting, like you're, you could have been them very easily. If you're born 20 kilometers to the left, would you still be you? No, you wouldn't. Your ideas would be different. So it's it's wrong to be proud of your ideas because a lot of them come from circumstance and a lot of their ideas come from circumstance. So this getting on Twitter and if you vote, no, da, 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 like just savvy, snarky little jokes. And again, it's like what in your heart, what is, what did you think? think that's doing i tweeted a joke shitting on no voters now the yes campaign's gonna win i think i might have persuaded four more people so you put you're just you're just performing for your side aren't you and again ironically for something that was meant to raise and make us listen it's called the voice you're supposed to listen to it (laughs) it's a Ironically, for something about listening to indigenous people, we all just hopped up on there, packed the fucking internet with mostly white-led content. <laughs> for the and then to piss everyone to please our side and piss everyone off on the other side. So you sabotage the fucking yes campaign, you burk. With whiteness, <laughs> white people botched. How ironic that white people botched an attempt from indigenous people to be heard by talking too much. <laughs> Just the irony of it. There was some there was some good stuff out there. You know, I liked um there was a lot that Dan Illich did that I I lean more towards because there's at least an aspiration there to inform. You know, so it's more about, okay, well, if people don't know, I'm going to smuggle, you know, some information out with jokes. Um, So that, like, he of anyone probably gets it more right more often. But, I mean, this that's, you know, a drop in the ocean of just everyone sharing funny fucking memes and shit. Um. And again, I just, yeah, and people just retweeting, hey, this famous person shared my thing. And then, you know, the article comes out. It's like, this this sketch went viral, written by <laughs> two white people. You know, it was shared by this celebrity. Yeah, I know. But the, <laughs> the thing is, that celebrity and his followers probably are already already agree with you so again it's just i don't know now you just this is where this is where i start to believe or call or accuse satire of being a form of disaster capitalism disaster capitalism is where you know the the ice caps are melting and some oil rig oil company will go oh the ice caps are melting great greater access to the deep sea oil you know disasters are an opportunity to profit even more and I see moments like this where it's like this we could we needed empathy and we needed to learn from Brexit and Trump. And instead a bunch of white people just 
marched to the front of the queue. Oh, are we voting on the future well-being of indigenous people? Well, allow me to draw attention to myself. Ooh, this is great for my social media clout. A famous director just shared my sketch. It's like, just stop talking. Stop it. Highlight, promote. What are indigenous people saying right now? I don't know. Because you've reshared the fourth article about how amazing your white written (laughs) thing was. Stop. You're literally replicating the problem (laughs) by not just by foregrounding yourself in an issue that's not about you. And and if you're going to do it, do it in a way that's going to win over some no people. At least if you're going to do that, if you're going to be egotistical enough to somehow center yourself in a campaign that's not about you, at least do it in a way that's constructive instead of, you know, a sketch or whatever that's just like, yeah, no voters are stupid. Great. Well, brilliant. Who was that for? A famous director shared it. Great. Are all his, do, do all his followers get to vote yes m- even more? They were already going to vote yes. So what are they going to do now? Vote? Do they get to vote yes twice? You've not increased the amount of yes. You've just kept it the same and probably pushed, a, pushed away some no people. Ah... It's got, it's got to, some, there's got to be some new way because the right keeps coming to these things fucking ready and prepped and with fucking weird strategy that fucking works and it's annoying and we just keep coming at it with, but we're right. It's a chance to do good. And nobody's, yet. Yeah, that's only persuasive to the, the people who are going to, <laughs> the people before your sketch, before they watched your sketch, they were going to vote yes. After your sketch, they were going to vote yes. So you've persuaded someone who was already persuaded before they clicked play. We've got to come at this with something new. It's got, and I don't know what that is. That's this is the big problem. Humor and online. P- joking and online conversation that isn't for our side. It's an attempt to reach out. I mean, I, I, I suppose really that really the, the best thing we could do is all put our phones down and head out to a no rally. I mean, infinite, you could do more, you could spend, you know, your, you know, your, your, witty meme or your funny joke tweet thing or your sketch that got shared x thousand times has i would have wouldn't compete with the difference of one of us turning up to a no rally and just talking with heart like if you persuade three people to vote yes, you've done 300% better than your funny Photoshop. Right? We need to put our phones down and somehow 
engage people face to face. And even if you only persuaded one person, it's a much better use for your time than the three days it took to edit that funny soundbite together or whatever, or Photoshop that thing, or do write a Instagram post that I have to swipe five times because there's so much text. And again, is designed for me who was going to vote yes anyway. We just keep keep losing these things and I just, I, uh, there has, I'm sure, okay, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm sure a lot of what I said is probably um, wrong or misguided, but there has to be some introspection. And again, I'm mostly speaking about this in the context of us as ambassadors. Um, I'm not talking about the yes campaign in its entirety or any of the content it put out. Um, because there's lots of hardworking people who fucking just did amazing stuff, but they, they're, they're only one, like the yes campaign is only like one entity. You know, it, but we then go on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and stuff as ambassadors for our side and probably kneecap the Yes campaign a bit by being little pieces of shit online who just miss, just miss the point of what a campaign is, especially when it's close, a close call, it becomes a persuasion game. It's not a, there's no point gloating preemptively. If you vote no, you're a <laughs> and you know the yes side is a chance to be a shining light. Oh, stop it! Stop with with your earnest posts and you stop change. You know, fuck. Anyway, I've gone on. I've gone on. I can feel myself getting wound up. The the again, just to bring it back to some sort of spiritual principle. The, the people we need to persuade, um, so some of them would have been sufficiently on the fence that we could have persuaded them, I think. But the, the, the type of communication that we were putting out in no way would um, be persuasive, I don't think. Um, and this sort of smugness and name calling and um it just again it, it you you think you get to be entitled you think you get to be proud of the fact that you think the way you do but it's honestly again interdependence nothing you didn't generate your thoughts in a vacuum so like you were offered a choice by some, you know, you're in some like matrix white space before all the guns load and stuff. Now you can either choose to be an asshole on planet earth or a lovely person. And you chose, I'll be a lovely person, you know, well done. I'm so proud I chose the right choice. Like you're a product of literally everything. You're a product of literally everything. The leaves in the trees, the soil, the air quality where you grew up in would affect your uh, neurological development, like just everything. So just just be like, <laughs> well, 
It's just, no, you, you don't get to be proud and you don't get to mock someone who's unfortunate enough that their the interdependence that's generated them has generated their ideas and the things they think as an outcome. And so in, in the face of that, coming to it with ego and pride when what we need to do is pull these people back from the brink of thinking the way they do, it takes hard, it's going to take hard work. And I, we, you'd be much better off if you, if you really care. And I, this is the problem. I don't think a lot of these people do care, especially white people with no skin in the game. If you, you just want to get a joke out, don't you? And get the, clicks well that's selfish and like i said it's ironic that in uh, a political battle to try and give or return voice to disenfranchised native population that you centered yourself so much that you clogged up the internet with literal white noise and the whole point is that we're meant to be listening more. I just, if you're tweeting those jokes, you just, with ego and pride, you're not helping. If you really do want to help, if the reason you're tweeting those things is because you think they might be making a difference, first of all, just realize they're not making a difference, so you can stop now. And secondly, if you really want to help, do something. You're going to have to talk to that family member who thinks the no campaign is persuasive. You know, you're going to have to talk to uh, the friend of a friend or at the parties. Yeah, I'm voting no because, I mean, really, if you think about it, you know, I mean, it's affecting the Constitution. I just don't know. There's not enough information. You're going to have to come to that prepared and to reach out and go, well, yeah, I mean, I can see why it would look like there's not much information. But if you really think about it, it's actually very, you know, just – if you can persuade one person face to face, that is worth a thousand Taika Waititi's sharing your sketch. Because, like I said, he's only sharing it with people who are who like him and are already going to think the same way as him. And what can they do after they've enjoyed it? They don't get they don't get to vote a second time. I was going to vote yes, but now because of that sketch, I'm going to vote yes twice. God, we've got to start thinking, seeing what the other side's doing and finding ways to reach them through humour. Seems like we're using humour to distance ourselves from these people and that's, um, I mean, it feels good on an egotistical level because you don't want to be associated with them and and also there's, a, there's an ego cost that comes from trying to reason with uh, people on the other side side of the political spectrum because like well rather than condemning what they're saying you're what platforming them or engaging with them you're just as bad as them so well yeah but they're some of them need to be persuaded don't they somehow and again calling them deplorables or whatever is just unsurprisingly doesn't work um so I don't know, it's, you know, the right, the conservatives or 
whoever they are, the No campaign, it was it was a, a frustratingly effective campaign and it made people twiddle their, scratch their chins. Um, and again, this idea that everyone who voted No is, you know, a racist. Um, I mean, this is only anecdotal, but I mean, I, I know... Oh, I know a few people who voted no. And, you know, <laughs> one of them in a conversation years ago, and still believes this, but said that that they're all for reparations. Like there's, I, if they introduced a tax tomorrow, if I, get, if I got taxed to pay every year, you know, we all get taxed as a way of repaying or raising money or, it goes towards indigenous, if they just taxed us and it was called the reparation tax or whatever, I'd vote yes for that, you know. And they, but they got, but they got persuaded by the no campaign purely on the, that, again, that sense of the nitty gritty legislative, what, what are the ramifications were altering the fabric of the parliament, you know, they were, they were convinced they didn't like how it was, how the question was posed. And it was a very, all their, again, all their arguments were very, uh, quote unquote, reasonable. Um, as in, it's easy to understand how someone would reason that way. Um, but again, it was just that sort of, you've been kind of hoodwinked into thinking that way. Because the point is that it is simple. And so this lack of information isn't the concern that you think it is. Because there isn't a lack of information. You know, but so this idea that, you know, these people are stupid or have, have hearts filled with hate. The, I mean, the other problem, oh, I said I was going to wrap up. The other, I mean, the other issue we have, I think, in talking about these things is we talk about racism on a macro scale and we conflate that with racism on an individual scale. So... By that I mean an outcome of a decision can be racist in the sense that it's you know it's it's just further disadvantaged an entire group of people um, based on race, and it was a it feels like a rejection of those people. That's the outcome. Whether each individual voting for that outcome was doing so from a sort of a racist mentality, conscious or subconscious, like it's, I mean, I th it's, the, I mean, again, this is another problem we have in the campaign. It's like, if you vote no, you're a racist. And then people who are voting now say, well, now I'm definitely not going to, if that's what the yes side thinks of me, well, they can go fuck themselves. Um, I'm not racist. I'm just, I just don't know what this is. Not knowing that, by falling prey to that type of argument, they are nevertheless contributing to an outcome that's um, perpetuates prejudice. So it's, I wonder if, you know, it's, do we, do we, this is a question, do we need to find a new word or a, a prefix or a something so that we're less, we, we don't, 
we don't imbue our opponents with the immorality of the outcome, thus making it more possible to engage with them. Um, you know, there's lots of people that voted for Trump. Again, intelligent, smart people who just were tired of the Democrats and just like they just wanted things to be different. And they, you know, and again, I'm not excusing it, but there's a sort of sense that his, a lot of his talk about Mexicans was just, you know, oh, he's just this bit of braggadocio or something. Just like, yeah, I, okay, look, like he's just being a, he's just running his mouth. You know, he doesn't, he runs his mouth sometimes. He's a bit crazy, but he's going to shake things up and, you know, drain the swamp and all that. Well, that's why I'm voting for him. I'm not voting for him because I hate in my heart Mexicans, you know? And I know that's still, I'm not, ju I'm not excusing that person. It's like you, you, if someone's saying, you know, all Mexicans are rapists, you shouldn't vote for that person. But if you end up voting for that person because you just, you have concerns in your life that are just Trump, excuse the pun, Trump, your ability to give that the time or, you know, to, to focus on that aspect of it. So I just can't, I don't, I can't focus on that. I just, I need the country to be different. I'm waffling now. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. There, there was, I mean, okay, I'll try and give a better example. There, there was an example, there was, what was it? John Stewart's show, The Problem with John Stewart. And he had a conservative on the show and the topic of the show was, I think it was the problem with white people. Um, and John Stewart at some point says, you know, we live in a racist country. Or he, or he asks the conservative, why do you think we don't live in a racist country? And the conservative person is like, well, we don't. I've got friends, you know, my neighborhood is a melting pot. You know, we've got people from different, you know, from... Africa, from Europe, Spain, you know, we've got Asians, just that's everyone. It's not a racist country. We all get along. All None of my friends are racist. Was, you know, America is a melting pot. And John Stewart then says, well, okay, so you don't think we live in a racist country? Well, so you don't think a you know, disproportionate number of black people in prison is racist? This is racist. This is any unemployment, blah, blah, blah. Comes up with all these true uh, examples of how, um, yeah, that black people are obviously prejudiced against. And the, the, the problem is that, so well, there's two things going on. The, the conservative guy is talking about racism on an individual level and saying, my friend's, love the multiculturalism. I'm from, I think he was a second generation from somewhere in Europe. Um, I'm an immigrant to this country. I love the immigration. None of my friends are racist. To say we're all racists just seems not right. So he was interpreting or taking John Stewart's macro assessment of the United States being racist to mean that everyone in the United States is also racist. But John Stewart is focusing on the outcomes, right? The prison population, the education disparity, the economic disparity, which all point to 
disadvantage, you know, pre uh, pre prejudice, right? Um, so John Stewart's talking about the macro, but they're both they're both talking at cross purposes because the conservative is saying America isn't racist because the individuals within it aren't racist. But that's he's he needs to separate the two. He should he should be saying America as a as a collection of systems is racist, while the people within it, I guess, by majority aren't. But John Stewart is committing the same mistake. He's saying everyone in America is racist. We are racists. We are a racist country because the systemically the 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 way the country operates is racist. So to me, they're sort of talking at cross purposes. I think you know, John Stewart is wrong to say because a country is um, collectively racist, everyone in that country is racist. But also, simultaneously, the conservative is wrong by saying just because individuals in the country aren't racist, therefore the country itself isn't racist. You know, I think they're both wrong either from going from the macro down to the individual, looking at macro racism to, to suggest individual racism is wrong, but looking at individual non-racism, individual, um, what would you say, open-mindedness is somehow proof or disproves that the country as a whole isn't closed-minded, you know? So I think this is, this is the part, a ton, well, it's a tiny problem. And again, it's only a problem for me. <laughs> it's not, you know, I, again, a far worse. Oh, yeah, that's the problem, how we talk about racists. Um, and it's not the fact that we just, you know, the the the, the referendum just got defeated um, and whole, whole, uh, whole proportion of the population has just had their identity shat on. No, no, I appreciate that that is the bigger problem. I'm just... I just want us to win. I think that's the, and it's been three of these things sort of in a row. The, the marriage, the plebiscite for marriage equality to me feels a bit different for some reason. Um, somebody pointed out that maybe the reason that got through, which is an apparently progressive victory versus the referendum, which suggests we were still in rather conservative territory because the impl in sort of implicit in the plebiscite is this idea that everyone is equal. And so that's, that's quite a sort of easy thing for conservatives, weirdly, to get their head around, this idea, idea of individual liberty. Um, it's, it's quite hard to vote against that and quite persuasive. And also Australia has that sort of philosophy, not that it's always um, followed through on, but, um, of a, you know, Country the fair go, everyone's the same. Come on, give everyone a go. There's there's something different about the plebiscite. Whereas the the referendum isn't asking that question. It's not saying, are we all equal? It's um, and again, to a conservative, not to me, but to a conservative, I can see how this would seem like will come across. Well, they're getting a special group. You know, why who else gets a voice to parliament? Why just them? It's like, come on. Jesus Christ. Uh, there's already lots of spe specialized groups 
who do get <laughs> lobbyists who get act, direct access to parliament. Some some people who aren't even people that corporations have a voice to parliament, you know. Um, but I can see again, dumb intelligent. I can see how that would seem like a rational argument to someone already primed to find that argument persuasive. Um, anyway, I'll stop. I will stop now. I just want us to win. That's all. And I just, I worry, I worry that we're stuck in a pattern. And that pattern seems to be, I mean, after, yes, Brexit, Trump, a little bit of COVID, um, when we were calling everyone anti-vaxxers, many of them were, a lot of them weren't. And again, question you really want to ask yourself is, yeah, but how am I going to persuade them back across this side? It's not by, it's not by self-important ridicule, you know? Uh, empathy has to some be involved somehow in the way forward. And I know even in suggesting that, it's like, yeah, well, it's easy for you to say. Why, you know, why should indigenous people have to empathize with the people, very people trying to oppress them? Maybe they don't, but us, we as ambassadors for campaigns we believe in, at least can do some of the heavy lifting in uh, not being tools online and increasing the chances of engaging the opposition. Uh, and if we want to use humor, I think it has to, we have to, it has to start shifting uh, to being, you know, a, an information lubricant, not a, a moral posturing smug off. If we're going to use humor and you want to use humor, I think we have to find ways to use it to inform and reach out and pull back our fellow sentient beings from the situation they found themselves in. Which, again, I'm not massively keen to blame them for because everyone is just a product of what they've been through. And yet, like I said, if you were born five kilometers to the left, you'd be a totally different person. So you cannot take credit for your ideas. Well, you certainly shouldn't. Um, you can take credit for them if you want, but it, it's, that's dishonest. Um, and yeah, I, I just, if you're going to use humor, if you want to make a joke, I don't know, try and use it in a way that's going to make someone on the other side laugh, not someone who already agrees with you. You've already got their vote. So what you've done is meaningless, <laughs> essentially. It's meaningless. It's had a net zero outcome. Um, or don't even make a joke. Maybe, maybe sometimes you just can't make one. Maybe don't go online and be like, hey, fucking, duh. Maybe put the phone down and just go chat to that neighbor you know. Just to ring the doorbell. Hey, look, I know you've put a no placard outside your house. And look, I probably don't want to talk to me. I, I happen to think we should vote yes. And I just, I just want to talk to you. I'm, I'm not going to judge you. I'm keen. I'm, I'm actually interested why you th think we should vote no. Tell me. You try and persuade me, I'll try and persuade you. You know, here's a sand timer. Just, I don't know. So it's got to be better than what we're doing at the moment. And again, we, I mostly mean white people with iPhones. Uh, we are poor ambassadors of the causes we purport to represent. And something's got to change. Because otherwise we're going to keep losing these these 
battles, you know. Um, and this time, you know, losing it on someone else's behalf, which is even worse. I mean, at least the only people affected by Brexit were British people. Um, but the, the people affected by uh, white no voters and white yes campaigners, white online personalities, the people affected by it aren't them. Um, it's First Nations people, so it's even worse. All right, I'm going to wrap up there. Um, if you enjoyed this, um, share it with someone, maybe directly. I prefer the direct share than the mass uh, shout-out tweet thing, unless you're really famous, and then please, uh, please share it. Uh, I need the numbers, guys. Um, but also, yes, apologies for not putting these at, this out sooner. I, I also was conscious of putting something out as everything was unfolding, uh, which again, I felt somewhat um, opportunistic and sort of centering myself. Now that it's been a couple of weeks since, I feel a little bit more comfortable uh, adding my voice into the mix. Um, and I hope it's been useful and made you think. Uh, even if you think I'm wrong, I hope it's sparked something, uh, some sort of reflection and progress. Um, thank you for listening. If you liked it, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Uh, just search for Jazz Twemlo. And um, I will try and get an episode out uh, on time this time in the next uh, fortnight. All right. Thank you for listening and you have a lovely day.